0: I thought Wentz exceeded expectations. Since he started getting injured, uh, he doesn't seem to be the same guy. And with no offensive line to protect him, uh, he, he has no shot in there. He, he's just a sitting duck. Is he not? You, you could hear a duck call. Uh, they did not even bother uh, yes. calling signals. Well, that's Good. the
2: thing. Is Okay, so put Jalen Hurtson. When we watch a game, we get frustrated and we scream and yell. But when your offensive line is just putrid. And look, the Dolphins' offensive line in the last two weeks has not played well. Horrible, yeah. It doesn't 10 matter 10. who your quarterback is. That's why I was laughing when people were like, oh, two is. What do you want him to do? If when you say hike, there's a guy instantly in your face, it doesn't matter.
0: When they issue you at uh, 26 or 27 years of age a diaper as part of your daily game (laughs) apparel, (laughs) you are going to get this snot knocked out of you, and a lot of other stuff is going to come out as well, because you're just taking a beating in there. You're Jerry Quarry syndrome. Uh, What day is it, champ? I think it's Tuesday. Yeah, close. (laughs) (laughs) Author and broadcaster and distinguished Pulitzer Prize winning newspaper writer Michael Holly, who joins us on the program. Of your many uh, literary offerings, uh, several of them are about the New England Patriots, Phil Belichick, and Brady, and the organization there, the New England Patriots. Uh, we made the observation early uh, in the year when Belichick was really struggling, and they got hit by virtually everything. Guys opting out, injuries, uh, they had Brian Hoyer originally as their Starting quarterback going into the season, Cam Newton, a guy nobody wanted. Eventually came in there, looked pretty good for a couple of games, and things fell apart. Belichick, <laughs> he was wandering around like like a you know a zombie on the sideline there. But could this not be his best coaching job? We we're making this assertion. Luby wants to bury uh, Belichick already, as a lot of people do. But without Brady to go five and six with uh, this collection of bag ladies, it's pretty remarkable, isn't it? No. No,
3: it's nope. not remarkable. <laughs> no, no. I don't think it's a great coaching job because you have to keep in mind that if you're going to make that argument, I would say, oh, wow, yeah, that general manager, man, what a general manager to leave him with a team like that. But he's a general manager. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you can't,
0: look, if he had a different team,
3: I'd say, oh, yeah, I'll be with you on that one, Defoe. But no, the time wake up with Defoe. Joined by Luby, welcome to The Defoe Show.
0: Luby, help me! Help me! Help me get this plastic bag off my head. Oh, my God. Everything went up in smoke last night. Unbelievable. Hey, good morning, everybody. Great to be with you on what is a very cool morning here in South Florida. Uh, those are the two best words on any weather report if you're a South Floridian, are they not? Cold front. Everybody longs for that, as long as it doesn't last uh, like 60 days like it did that one year about a decade ago. That was even more uh, further in the past than the, I think, right? It was my, maybe 2009, years or before ago, like I was that. working with you. Yeah, it was cold. I mean, like literally cold for uh, almost a month straight. It was incredible. Uh, everybody was uh, running out of warm clothing. And it was the one time the Burlington Coat Factory might have been busy here in South Florida. That, that seemed like an aberration, didn't it, uh, to open up a Burlington Coat Factory? I actually was doing some spots for them when they first put a store down here. And you were thinking, gonna be pretty hard to sell coats down here. But you could do it today, that's for sure, because uh, people's blood have thinned out. I've mentioned it many times. Anytime you go into any kind of winter environment after living in Florida for a period of time, you can't take it. You may as well, like I said, crash a plane in the Andes Mountains and start figuring out uh, whether or not it's proper to eat uh, dead people's flesh. It's just unbelievable. But, uh, no, I hope everybody's enjoying the uh, brisk temperatures here. And it's going to be beautiful in the afternoon, uh, mid-60s, something like that. So a great day. However, everything went up in smoke last night, Luby, as predicted by many people here On the program, and I know you want to mock me because it's Cheech and Chong time for my Ben Roethlisberger MVP theory. The greasy theory just, I think, went right out the window last night. I I don't know that we can resurrect any kind of momentum for Big Ben to be the MVP because I believe, and and this was part of the foundation of the greasy theory, that it was totally dependent on the Steelers running the table and going undefeated. What we failed to factor into the equation was – The Fauci factor. The Fauci factor. I sounded the alarm there. I mean, it's like getting one of those alerts on your cell phone that you can't seem to find a way to turn off. And it was ringing in my ears all night last night. Now, the Steelers go up 14-0 in this game, Luby. Were you following this at all? It wasn't on TV, on local television. Contractual obligations to direct TV and the NFL ticket prevented... The game from being broadcast on a complete national basis. It was on in some places in Florida. I would imagine you could have gone to a bar, any bar that had direct TV. They were actually carrying the game on one of their dedicated channels. Even if you didn't have the NFL ticket, they were giving you that Steelers game because uh, I guess they were supposed to give it to you on Sunday when it was originally scheduled. So you didn't have a chance to turn on uh, 5 o'clock football at home on TV. Would you have ventured out to go see that game? and see if the Steelers could remain unbeaten because the Dolphin fans are in uh, total celebration. In fact, O.J. McDuffie going to join us later on. We contacted O.J. about that thing with the Flores fight, uh, that he was getting engaged in just uh, bitter verbal wars on his Facebook page with various people. Most people tend to agree, like if you're friends with somebody that has star caliber status, don't you tend to agree with their opinions mostly? Like if you follow a thread on social media, whether it's, I, I don't know, is it more bitter on Twitter? as they say, Luby, than it is, say, on Facebook. Oh, uh, yeah, people but Twitter's like, way
2: more negative than anywhere on Earth.
0: Yeah, because uh, Juicer put something up, and out of 200 people that comment, 199 agree with him. And then, uh, but he got into it. It got contentious about the idea that uh, Coach Flores, uh, Brian Flores, uh, had no business running across the field there and probably should have been suspended for that action. If that's the NBA, do they not suspend the coach for a game? for running across the field. I mean, he's clearly on the other team, the Bengals' sideline, uh, but with good reason. I, I think it was very valid. And as a sports fan, I kind of like that, right, that, that the coach was willing to go out there and start throwing punches. And actually, did he confront the guy that that made the tackle, the hideous uh, hit, illegal hit there on Jakeem Grant? Did he actually confront that player? I don't know. I, I, he, I just saw him
2: run to the sideline. That's all I saw from Flores. And he was held back the entire time.
0: But he did uh, kind of poke uh, some Bengal player that was on the sideline. I don't think it was the guy that was involved in the play, but uh, nonetheless, he was willing to challenge anybody. It was Brian Cox to an exponent of 50 because you had the head coach of a team going across there with his players. I I say, yes, that's a good move, is it not? It's like the sergeant who's leading the charge there as uh, you try and attack all of the German soldiers in the farmhouse back in the days of those uh, World War II uh, uh, television series that they used to have. Combat. Rat Patrol was a pretty good one. I I don't know if you ever saw the show Rat Patrol, Luby, on any kind of 60s resurrection channel. But uh, very good uh, war uh, series, Rat Patrol. I don't think it was on that long. Combat is the show everybody remembers with Vic Morrow, who was fantastic. Died in a helicopter crash. Uh, Very unfortunate. Uh, Vic Morrow passed away. Great actor, man. Man, could he play that that tough, hard-nosed sergeant that was all about the men? And that's what Brian Flores was doing. No, he was Vic Morrow in that scene right out of combat. So O.J.'s going to come on uh, with us later on in the 9 o'clock hour. Also Josh Booty in that hour. Josh Booty's been great. And we'll get some analysis and uh, pick his uh, brain for uh, what figures to be a doozy as Florida and Alabama will do battle. Florida now knocking on the door, Luby. Be... Hello? The Gators just on the outside now. Are they ranked fifth in the college football playoff rankings? That ranking? comes out today, and I think, to number five? I think they're sixth.
2: I think they're sixth. I don't know. That comes out today usually.
0: But if they beat Alabama, you would have to think they'd they be right in the, the playoff. picture. Do they knock Alabama out of the playoffs if they beat Alabama, even by one point? Does I mean, Alabama they beat, they, drop if out they beat
2: them head-to-head, there should be in over Alabama. Well, first let them beat them head-to-head.
0: Yes, but would Alabama, under the Saban rule, automatically get a spot in there, just like Notre Dame used to automatically get the Orange Bowl bid before the season even started, back in the day when they used to uh, go ahead and have committees decide on such things? And it would be announced in August, right before uh, the season opener. Well, Notre Dame's already accepted a bid the Orange Bowl. Can you believe it? They're going to go there for the 14th straight time. I guess it was good business to have Notre Dame down here. They bring a lot of fans, and they have a fan base uh, all over the country, all over the world, right? Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish, are they popular still to that level, or have people come around to the point where they just despise Notre Dame?
2: I think m- m- more Much people, like people nationally despise uh, them uh, different... than like them.
0: All right. Anyway, uh, very interesting developments, uh, college football, and uh, last night, of course, the Miami Dolphin fans celebrating, that they were just absolutely euphoric, as was O.J. McDuffie, about the fact that the perfect season, the 1972 Miami Dolphin team legacy, has been preserved yet one more time. It, It was dicey, right? The way things were going. The Fauci factor, I think, really got to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They might not have run the table anyway, if they had just played under a regular schedule, but... Could you have a more Fugazi set of circumstances than the Steelers did? They really were going on less rest than Clayton Kershaw did in the postseason. We said that yesterday. A four days rest for a football team that had gone through all kinds of different things in terms of the circumstances of their previous game against the Ravens. It was just absolutely ridiculous. The Fauci factor definitely has become an important component of any equation that you're making when it comes to gambling, but... At 25 to 1, uh, that may as well be 2,500 to 1 right now. Would you agree? As Mahomes was not brilliant this week, we had a real chance here. This was a Turning Point, my friend. The old John Mayall album, The Turning Point. Going back to California. Ba, 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 ba. Great album, by the way, Libby, if uh, you want to get into some real music. And this was something that was made like 50 years ago, The Turning Point. And it was a turning point in our wagering life
1: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at
0: ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And Roethlisberger to be the MVP. I hate to say it, Duke. I love you like a brother. I know it was the greasy theory. I'm, I'm glad. You know what? To have a guy as intellectually uh, brilliant as the Duke is. And the Duke, of course, uh, and a lovely and talented one. Uh, we're, we're around at dinner and discussing this thing. Very nice place. Kalu's there on the water. Had a wonderful time sucking down some cocktails. I'm not sure. I don't think it was the alcohol because the Duke is not not guided by that sort of thing. Have you noticed that? A very clear thinker. I don't know that you'll find a more sound thinker than the Duke. And he was in, man. Went right to the wallet there. Peeled out, uh, you know, a a very uh, firm stick and said, put it all on Roethlisberger. So we did it. And... (laughs) That doesn't look too good, does it? Uh, so Pittsburgh goes down. They're, they're having a great season nonetheless. I mean, uh, sitting there at 11-1. and one. John Feinstein, who's going to be our instant replay, and he was brilliant on the show yesterday, as he always is. I mean, uh, you, you could say hello. It's very much like the Don King interview, although instead of getting uh, a bunch of just babble, you get some real intellect with John Feinstein and some great stories uh, very much in depth. And you could pretty much say hello to Feinstein. That's a layup of an interview, is it not, Luby? John Feinstein? Yeah,
2: it's an automatic. He's great, and he knows because he's uh, such a great interviewer himself and such a great writer, he doesn't leave you hanging. Whatever you ask him, he's going to give you a good answer.
0: Yes, I know. He, he's fantastic, and you're going to hear that as our instant replay if you missed it yesterday, and even if you heard it yesterday, it might be worth a listen again. He did say, though, that if ever you were going to favor a 4-7 team or take a lean on a 4-7 team over an 11-0 and team, it would be last night's game. Between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Washington football team. If ever you were going to do it. And and it seemed logical. And, of course, uh, we had Brandon Lang, one, one of our fine handicappers, on the Deal Volkswagen Degenerate Friday shows. And he has been predicting this for a while. He said it was a certainty that the Steelers would lose to Buffalo next week in their game against Buffalo if they didn't lose to the Washington football team this week. So, and, uh, you know, he, he was just essentially saying that there's no way that they go undefeated. And on top of that, obviously, he was uh, condemning the fact that uh, we were stupid enough. No, I don't know. I, I don't consider it a dumb bet. Do you, Luby? The Roethlisberger thing, if you were going to have money go up and smoke, have it go up and smoke at 25 to 1. Yeah, it was worth it. I least, mean, he yeah. was
2: never a huge candidate, but the way the season was going, you would think he would come into focus by the end of the season.
0: He had to as they got. See, we had to get to this 12-0, and and then we would have had four weeks to go. The game against Buffalo would have been a huge showdown. We needed Buffalo to lose last night if you were a Dolphin fan, did we not? Because uh, how improbable was that? I don't think many people were looking at that. And the 49ers, another team, they've been victimized by a massive series of injuries, but also victimized by the Fauci factor as they had to move their whole operation to Arizona and then take on the Buffalo Bills. Uh, amidst all of this Meshugganist stuff that they had to do uh, due to the COVID-19 considerations and the shutdown of stadiums and their operation in San Francisco and in the Bay Area. I guess it's San Jose, right? But nonetheless, uh, the San Francisco 49ers badly compromised. Uh, they hung tough in this ball game. Uh, I don't think they had half of their roster out there on the field. And it did hang tough, but uh, the Buffalo Bills proving superior. Uh, this Josh Allen, is he starting to impress you a little bit, uh, Luby? Uh, I know you weren't a big Josh Allen fan. You loved Rosen. Who? Uh, where is Rosen today? He's, uh, He's on the practice squad of
2: something. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
0: Very nice. As the Buccaneers continue to just uh, absorb quarterback after quarterback on their roster, figuring that uh, eventually Brady's going to have to say, uh, that's it, guys. I'm done. So, interesting night in uh, the NFL and, of course, sets up another interesting week. Brett Tesler, the agent of the star, is going to join us later on. Uh, of course, he represents Raheem Mostert, the leading running back for the 49ers. I'm sure he was zeroed in on that game because he loves Raheem and all of his clients for that matter. But uh, th- this is a special consideration for Tesla because of all the different things that Mostert had to go through just to, to get to the point where uh, he finally got that – a salary that uh, he had earned last year out of the 49ers front office. Harvey Fialkov, uh, sports writer, of course, long time here in South Florida, going to be with us on the program as well. So it uh, should be a lot of fun today as uh, we explore the various things that are happening in sports. Uh, before we uh, go get to our instant replay, uh, Richie Allen passed away. I don't know if you were familiar with Richie Allen. He, he was brilliant. Uh, had one of the great rookie seasons of all time by uh, anybody in 1964. Check this out, Louie. Are you ready for these stats? I know you love stats to okay. back up anything that I say, but uh, Richie Allen, who uh, was one of the most feared hitters, I mean, this guy would crush balls, and he was a controversial figure also. There was a lot of racism running around in baseball, and he uh, took exception of that, which uh, wasn't really a popular stance back then. You know, it wasn't uh, like the black people had a very strong voice in, in the game. But h- how about this for a rookie season, 1964, Philadelphia Phillies, Dick Allen, He led the league in runs with 125, triples with 13, extra base hits. This is as a rookie. Extra base hits with 80, total bases with 352. He also finished in the top five in batting average at 318, slugging average 557, hits 201, doubles 38, wins rookie of the year. Now 1964 is known for what? Mike Luby Lubitz, Mr. Baseball Historian. 1964, the pennant race, the Philadelphia Phillies are up six and a half games with 12 games to play. This was before they had divisional breakdowns in the National League. You had one team that was going to go to the World Series, and they went straight there, 1964. So you're playing for everything uh, to win the pennant. The 64 Phillies uh, win a with a six and a half game lead, 12 games to go. They go on to lose 10 straight. And I believe it sparked uh, the incident, and I always thought Richie Allen was uh, at the center of this, uh, where Gene Mock, the manager of the team at the time, exploded during the throes of that losing streak and tipped over the buffet table that was in the post-game clubhouse and I believe, like, splattered barbecue sauce all over Richie Allen as uh, Richie Allen was hit with, like, uh, two racks of ribs. <laughs> by the manager who, who went nuts. He went ape. And this what well, was at a time where you didn't get uh, an account of these sort of things very easily because social media wasn't around and people were very hush-hush about stuff like this that happened. But uh, nonetheless, uh, one of the great collapses in baseball history, the Phillies blowing a six-and-a-half-game lead with 12 games to go by losing 10 straight at a critical moment. That was certainly no fault of Richie Allen during that period of time. Uh, he he was a monster during that 10-game losing streak. He was probably the only guy that was performing. Great quote here by Willie Stargell talking about uh, when Richie Allen, I don't know if you, well, have you ever seen pictures of the old Connie Mack Stadium where the Philadelphia Phillies played? Uh, It had a Uh, uh, Coke sign, much like the Sitco sign that looms over Fenway Park, but that's actually behind and well behind the wall. The Sitco sign at Fenway. You always see that and you remember the sign. And I remember this Coke sign at Connie Mack, and Richie Allen hits a home run an estimated 529 feet right over the Coke sign, and it inspired a great quote by Willie Stargell, a slugger in his own right, uh, of great distinction, and he says, now I know why they boo Richie all the time in Philadelphia. When he hits a home run, there's no souvenir. I mean, his ball just disappeared into uh, outer space. It might still be rolling somewhere outside of Philadelphia Park, now known as Parks. But uh, nonetheless, uh, he passed away, and uh, so does uh, Fred Akers at 82. Richie Allen, 78. Fred Akers, longtime Texas coach. Also coached at Purdue and I believe a couple of other places uh, on a much uh, lesser and uh, shorter tenure. But was known as the uh, Texas coach, Fred Akers, 82. He passed away as well. So uh, once again, the OBIT column. Wow, we're assembling some all-star team up there in heaven, are we not? We already got a one-two punch in the rotation of Tom Seaver and Bob Gibson. Can you imagine, Louie, what kind of team we could put together from uh, guys that checked out in uh, 2020? Major League Baseball, you got Richie Allen at third base. Not exactly Mike Schmidt over there with the glove, though. I think he made 50 errors in his rookie season playing third base for the first time. Stick him out there somewhere. What a DH he would have been, huh, if he was in the American League and they had the DH at the time. All right, so we're coming back with more. A lot to do. Uh, many, many things happening, including the uh, college football front. UM, are they going to play that game against Georgia Tech, or are all those final week games canceled in the ACC, Louis, and I know FSU's playing this
2: week and next week, so I think they are playing that. I know they're playing North Carolina this week.
0: You think Sankey had a point there? The SEC commissioner? What kind of con job is that? I mean, very Trumpian, right, to just go ahead and cancel the last couple of games, or the last game? For uh, Clemson and Notre Dame, so there was no way they could sustain a loss uh, just by having somebody sneak up on them when they knew they were going to the ACC. I mean, United. for sure what
2: they were doing, but I I mean, I mean, don't care because I don't see, I didn't see either of them losing, so it doesn't matter to me.
0: This is also the anniversary of John Lennon being shot by that Chapman character. Do you remember? Well, no, you weren't alive. <laughs> well, either too you young might have just been born then. It was 1980, 80. right? Uh, were you around 1980? No, no you weren't. No, I aren't wasn't right?
2: even alive. You're right.
0: Wow. I remember where I was. And uh, well, we'll get into that. Uh, John Lennon uh, being shot, because uh, that was one of those uh, shocker pieces of news that comes across. I was listening to the radio, actually, driving in my car. On my way back, I was supposed to be covering an American Legion game. And I had gone down to Los Alamitos to play the ponies instead. And I remember driving back from Los Alamitos, hustling to get back to the newspaper, the Ontario Daily Report, the newsroom, so I could file my story in the American Legion game. And I heard the announcement that John Lennon had been shot and killed. Never forget that. It was just a stunner while you're riding home in the fog, frantically trying to get to the newspaper site before the deadline had passed so you could file this 10-inch story on the American Legion game. Uh, Upland, victorious last night. Meanwhile, Lennon is shot and uh, just left you absolutely aghast Slash careers. ...of all time. John Lennon, great songwriter. And, of course, uh, guy that originally uh, was uh, McCartney, formulated the Beatles. Uh, 40 years ago, right? 40 years ago today. Wow. Where were you 40 years ago? You were not even the gleam in your father's eye. was aunt. a the gleam,
2: Beatles. but I was not born, though.
0: No. All right. All right, John Feinstein, our instant replay. We'll take up until 10 o'clock today. Going to be a lot of fun here on 940 Wins, 1230 The Zone. Harvey Fialkoff later on, always a lot of fun. Harvey's very enthusiastic. I'm sure he'll be all over these baseball winter meetings and transactions that are taking place, something that's often ignored here in South Florida. Brett Tussler, the agent of the stars on the NFL. Josh Booty on the SEC. Josh Booty is a great commentator, if you haven't heard him on the show before. He's been brilliant every time we've had him on. And O.J. McDuffie, our good friend of juice who celebrated a birthday just a couple of days ago, going to be with us talking about Los Dolphins. I'm Jeff DeForest. He is Mike Luby Lubitz. Is anybody in favor of renaming? You have to have a title for every show, don't you? Should we call this Luby Tuesdays, Luby? Goodbye, Luby Tuesday. All right, back in a moment. Now that. The time. Something to consider. It's 626. But this is not great. fueled by any particular bias or bitterness, but if the swimming team beats Duke, I'm happy. <laughs> if the tennis team beats Duke, I'm happy. If the bocce team beats Duke, I'm happy. Soccer team beats Duke, I'm happy.
2: Enjoy your trip to work with lots of laughs thanks to Defo and Luby. Now on the Defo Show. <laughs>
0: soggy day here in South Florida, shaving up a little bit better as the morning progresses. I'm Jeff DeForest, along with one Mike Luby-Lubitz, also known now as Luby Giuliani, for defending the indefensible here on the program. Uh, that was a bit of sabotage here on the show, orchestrated by the lovely and talented one Leslie Visser, a clip from earlier this morning talking about the Canes 48 to nothing shellacking of Duke. And I mentioned that if the swimming team beats Duke, I didn't realize uh, that John Feinstein also Uh, has uh, quite uh, you know many many distinctions but uh, geez uh, swam for duke and so i'm sorry uh, john i didn't mean to uh, offer up any kind of insulting material before we even got you on the show john feinstein the uh, great author and commentator joins us here on the program john how are you my friend
3: uh jeff i'm well and just so you know the only fall sport that people at duke pay attention to is basketball recruiting so, I, 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 until you mention it, I didn't even know there was a football game Saturday night.
0: <laughs> I, I guess the Canes fans were reveling in the idea that uh, Duke was poking a lot of fun at them uh, when they beat them last year. And so this 48 to nothing shellacking was uh, very much uh, Jimmy Johnson-esque uh, against Notre Dame many years ago when Arapah Sejan was doing the color commentary on a game where he ran up the score on Jerry Faust. One of the uh, great efforts of all time, and uh, I was actually show at that Dallas game. Badly. Yes, I was, I was too. Was at it, that it was game. tremendous. It ended
3: in the rain. I remember it well. It was also a Saturday night game. But let me just say this: If the University of Miami, and I know it, there have been some struggles in recent years, loses a football game to Duke, they should disband yes. the program. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I uh, so back in twenty sixteen. When Notre Dame was, was struggling, hard to believe Notre Dame could struggle under Brian Kelly, who according to Notre Dame fans now is the greatest coach in history, um, yes. they actually lost to Duke. And I was on my way to the Ryder Cup when I heard the score. And at that point, Mike Bray had actually beaten Mike Shoshevsky four times out of five. So I pulled my car over to the side of the road, and I sent Shoshevsky a text. And it said simply, I'm really glad Duke has finally found a sport it can beat Notre Dame in. And the over-under in my mind on when the response would come back was about 10 seconds. And it was eight. And it was two words. And the second word was you.
0: So, And you guys are was, good friends. That was a crowning
3: moment for me, actually.
0: We uh, mention this uh, often uh, whenever we have uh, authors of distinction on the program, uh, which... Uh, of course, uh, John Feinstein, among the greatest of the great, and uh, right next to prolific in the dictionary. Uh, we've had recently Michael Holly on, very, uh, you know, uh, great contemporaries of yours, uh, John U. Bacon. Yeah, Michael's Midwest a good there. guy and a good writer, yeah. Yeah, G- Jason Cole has been on with us, uh, and he wrote this uh, book about Elway. But uh, with, with you, it's an easy one. It's a layup on this uh, context that you have to have written many more books, uh, probably I, I would go, than both uh, Luby and I combined have read. In our lifetime, well, Pretty I, I huh? can't
3: speak to that, but because um, uh, I I don't really sit down around with you guys reading books at night. But uh, <laughs> my forty third book, my fourteenth kids book, wow, um, called uh, Game Changers uh, just came out. It's uh, it's middle school, uh, both for the the kids who are in the book and for kids who will read the book. Basketball, uh, and interestingly, at least to me. Um, I wrote the book uh, about a year ago. I finished it about a year ago. And uh, one of the storylines is about a racist coach. And given what's gone on in our country in the last six months, I had no idea any of that would happen. But uh, I I at least was writing about something that's real and contemporary uh, with that storyline. And I've also started, as you know, uh, Jeff, um, doing some audio books. Uh, we talked last time I was on about The yes. Friends I've Made, which was five interviews with your hero, Mike Shashevsky, Tom Izzo, David Faraday, Mary Carrillo, and Steve Kerr, uh, and that's done really nicely. And I now have just out another audio book called Unknown Stories, which is me sort of taking people backstage in my, in my life. Telling stories, of, for example, the the, the night that uh, I asked Bob Knight about doing Season on the Brink, what happened that night, which was actually kind of funny. Uh, and other, other stories al- 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 about my dealings with people, some famous, some not so famous. Um, and the last thing, during the John Feinstein promotional tour here, I'll send you a check, yes. um, is something I started two weeks ago, and it, it's called Story Time with John Feinstein. And it's, it came from when the, when the pandemic first hit, a number of my Twitter followers asked if I could just tell a story each morning just to give people a little bit of entertainment. I did. It was remarkably well-received. And so now uh, I – with a friend of mine, we've launched this thing called Storytime with John Feinstein. It's video, and it's me telling stories, literally, uh, sitting in front of a fireplace – um, my my 10-year-old daughter does the intros and outros which is by far the highlight and it's very <laughs> easy to get if you're if anybody's interested you go to com and there's a link there
0: so now incredible no there's something you, you, you amaze like me you're- <laughs> no, no, you really do. I mean, we're, we're happy to get a call from uh, Manny from Miramar and maybe Paul from Plantation. And I was thinking, could you get some big names on some of these things uh, that you're doing? Steve Kerr, you got Krzyzewski, uh, and they're willing to yank their brains out. Uh, and, of course, you're an outstanding interviewer. So all of his stuff is well worth taking a look at. John Feinstein with us here at 940 wins, 1230 The Zone, the iHeartRadio app. Well, we probably explored this uh, with you uh, during the last couple of times you were on the show. But uh, to people who say it's all about the kids when talking about college sports, what would you say in light of what's happened with COVID-19 where we've seen uh, teams now uh, even admitting that they've had outbreaks of bubonic plague and still play games?
3: Well, the first thing I'll say, Jeff, is if somebody says to me it's all about the kids, the first thing I do is make sure I've got my hand on my wallet. Um, <laughs> and same student athletes, You know, nobody was a better educator and cared more about his players than Dean Smith. He, I never once heard him use the phrase student-athlete. He just called them players, because that's what they were. There's nothing wrong with being called a player. I, I don't know why, you know, but, but it's, it, it, it's a phrase that's used by administrators, sometimes coaches, NCAA people, to try to say these are real students who we shouldn't be paying, by the way, because they're student-athletes. Uh, it, and it's also redundant, because by, by rule, you have to be enrolled as a student in order to be a college athlete. So that's my first response. The second response is, look, this is a very, very this is the most complicated situation I think any of us have ever dealt with in terms of sports across the board, uh, much less college sports, where you're talking about kids who are not getting paid uh, and are being asked to take these risks in order to play, in order to travel, in order to practice. Uh, and, and again, I have mixed emotions. There's part of me that says we should have just gone back to August and said, folks, we got to fix this thing. And until we get it fixed, we're going to protect everybody as best we can. And we're going to take a pass on, on playing college athletics this year again, because remember the players aren't being paid, but then there's a part of me that says the players want to play. They want. They're willing to take the risk now. They're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. Do they really understand the risks? I hope so, because I think most of them. You talked about the Gonzaga kids. Most, most of them are pretty bright, and so part. You know, I try to stay away from the selfish side of me, which of course wants to see games, and wants to go to games as season has started. But it. it to me, it's it, it's the ultimate conundrum, because. Clearly, if you're going to be completely safe, if you're going to, to use the phrase that all these people use now, put safety above all else, then you don't play. But when you've got athletes and, and coaches and fans and who want to play and you think you can play and, and without putting anybody at serious risk, then I understand that side of the argument, too. I'm Billy Martin. I feel strongly both
0: ways. <laughs> John Feinstein with us here at 940 Wins 1230 The Zone. Uh, all right, what? What kind of question is that? What kind of a question is that? How could you ask me a question like that? Answer my question! The question, jerk! It's time for today's mini trivia challenge. Brought to you by the law offices of Jared Spingarn. If you're injured in an accident, call 833-HIRE-JARED. That's 833-447-3527. Or log on to HireJarred.com. It's not just business, it's personal. With the team formerly known as the Redskins playing as part of a Monday night doubleheader, it brought to mind the 1983 Super Bowl matchup between the Dolphins and the Joe Gibbs coached Skins. Everyone remembers John Riggins' run. He shrugged off Don McNeil and rumbled into the end zone on a 4th-and-1 and one. gave Washington the lead. Earlier in the contest, however, it was the Dolphins who were dominating, scoring on a Fulton Walker kickoff return and a 76-yard pass play. Today's HireJared.com Tribute Challenge question is, What Dolphin pass catcher was on the receiving end of that first-half bomb in that game? Was it Mark Duper, Daryl Harris, Jimmy Cephalo, or Nat Moore? that answer in a moment for jared spingard your injury is not just business it's personal after suffering devastating injuries in a near-fatal car crash at 18 and dealing with unjust insurance companies in his own case jared decided to dedicate his life's work to help the injured no law firm is better equipped to handle or understand your case than the law offices of jared spingard if you're a victim of a car crash, pedestrian accident, slip and fall, spinal cord injury, wrongful death, or medical malpractice, log on to hirejared.com That's hirejared.com Or call 833 Jared. And instead of getting hustled by your attorney, get the one firm that's going to hustle for you. Hire Jared has the resources, the record of success, and over 1,000 winning cases worth of experience. No injury is minor when it's yours. Call 24-7 for a no-obligation free evaluation of your case. You pay nothing unless you win. Don't let your case become just another number. Log on to hirejared.com or call 833 hire Jared and see what a difference personalized service can make. Jared Spingarn has been in your shoes. It changed his life. Let the law offices of Jared Spingarn help change yours. Before Washington rallied with 17 unanswered points to win the game, it looked like the Dolphins had the goods to take the contest and the title. They built an early lead in the game, partially due to the 76-yard pass play to WIOD's Jimmy Cephalo, who streaked into the end zone on that long bomb. That's today's mini trivia challenge brought to you by the law offices of Jared Spingart. for all personal injury matters. And remember, if you don't win, you don't pay. Log on to HireJared.com or call 833 HireJared, 833 447 3527. be fun to hear from some of the listeners here who say, You destroyed my concept of sports radio. <laughs> <laughs> And what was that joke about Mount Rushmore and Teddy Roosevelt's head spinning like Linda Blair and the Exorcist during that rally? You're not supposed to talk any politics here on the show. Stick to what you know, which is nothing, Defoe. I was going to say, what
2: do we know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Enjoy your trip to work with lots of laughs thanks to Defoe and Luby. Now on the Defoe Show.
0: Nothing like an infusion of fan input. To make any sports talk show fly, uh, we welcome your telephone calls here on the show. Jeff DeForest and Mike Luby-Lubitz. Luby, a little reluctant to embrace the concept. Is it just that you're distracted because you have so many things going in the first hour of the show, Luby? you got to put a lot of stuff together back there. It's not that easy, and you're a one-man band. There's nobody else at the station. Everybody else is screaming, vaccine, vaccine. So I respect the fact that you're in there uh, working your fanny off. But nonetheless, it doesn't seem like you're warmly embracing the concept. And you would have to do something special, but so you haven't been consistent with Luby's Law. Where's Luby's Law? That disappeared. I know you're looking for I a I don't have time. That That's,
2: yeah, sucks. I'd have to get here at like 4.30 in the morning to do Luby's
0: Law. A lot of people look forward to that. I uh, used to play, what, about 9.20? Oh, 9 o'clock, well, whenever you did it. sure. Yes, uh, right after the uh, 9 o'clock turn break there. And uh, you would come in with Luby's Law, and uh, I just waited for the moment where you said, no matter what you were saying during the entire context uh, of uh, the piece, it was, and that is Luby's Law. I, I, people waited for that, no? That's how Kind of like hello yes. friends oh, coming from Jim Yes, there
2: was always a law. Yeah.
0: It's like Howard Cosell. Speaking of sports. I do a lousy Cosell, don't I? Very poor Cosell. Unbelievable. All right, uh, many things happening in here. I saw that Camacho thing, uh, by the way. I finally watched it in its entirety. I'd seen pieces of it. Not sure it really moved me that far. Uh, Hector Macho, Camacho, they left, uh, like, everything open. I-, I was a big Camacho fan. A- at first, I-, I didn't really like Camacho because I'm not a big fan of the uh, braggadocio showman type, or at least I wasn't at the time. Now I appreciate it. And Camacho uh, was, uh, you know, just a good guy, right? I mean, uh, I-, I don't know that uh, everybody would have thought that, but Anytime uh, he was around, it was always a pleasure. He was always very uplifting, but uh, nonetheless, it, it did. Uh, it was an ugly reminder—the uh, Hector Camacho thing. Not, not his passing, of course, which is still unsolved. Don't get killed in Bayamón, Puerto Rico, if you want the case to eventually be solved. Well, I guess it wouldn't matter to you if you were already dead. Right? <laughs> <laughs> But his mother is suffering, and uh, they've never found out what actually happened to the guy, even though they say they know the police in Puerto Rico. What is that all about? We know who did it, but we ain't doing nothing about it. Does that tell you something about the way things work down there? Pretty much. Camacho, though, in 1994, January 29th, 1994, he fought uh, Felix Tito Trinidad. Camacho was, uh, at that point in time, kind of on the downside of his career, and... Uh, that was the opening bout of uh, what I had as a three fight parlay that led up to a matchup between a rematch between Frankie Randall and Julio Cesar Chavez, which I was convinced that Randall couldn't lose, although they did rob him because uh, Chavez was the benefactor of many, many uh, wrong decisions and uh, loaded decisions there when he was uh, campaigning for Don King while Tyson was in jail. And that was Don King's meal ticket. And you would imagine the WBC managed to find judges. How do they do that, Luby? How do they find judges that are going to be very favorable to the promoter who's fueling their pockets with millions of dollars?
2: a wonderful question.
0: Yeah, I mean, very much uh, like the case, I I guess. uh, You know, will we come to this in college football where we find out all along it was Alabama all along? Because they will work their way into the championship even if they lose to the Gators, will they not? And they will beat the Gators then in a rematch. In either the semifinal or the final. If the Gators are able to beat Alabama. Do you give the Florida Gators any chance, people, of beating the Alabama Crimson Tide? The game is going to be played in Gainesville. If they play the game, of course, because we still have two weeks to go. And this COVID thing is wreaking havoc. Have you seen that, Luby? Wreaking havoc with the NBA already. Oh, yeah, for sure. No bubble, double, trouble, my friends. But anyway, yeah, we lost that three-fight parlay. Uh, There was a guy named Jesse James Lahob. And he was in a rematch, uh, which he had gotten screwed in a decision against the great Azuma Nelson. I happened to be at that fight, uh, the original one. It was on the undercard of the Whitaker-Chavez fight in San Antonio. I was lucky enough to go to that. And there were any number of screw jobs uh, among the scoring that night, including the Chavez-Whitaker fight, which was a travesty, as they called that a draw. And they also, I believe, called this Azuma Nelson-Jesse James-Leha fight a draw, even though Leha had uh, put on a clinic against the brilliant Azuma Nelson. So I have Lehigh in the rematch, and he wins that easily. I have Trinidad over Camacho, and now I'm about to make a score, and Randall is destroying Julio Cesar Chavez, who then headbutts Randall, sustains a cut himself, and they stop the fight based on the fact that Chavez was cut, even though it was his fault, and then awarded the fight to Chavez. <laughs> What? They were turning over the craft tables in the casino there at the MGM Grand. It was just an atrocity, another Don King atrocity. All right, we're coming back with more in a moment. I'm Jeff DeForest. He's Mike Luby Lubitz. Reluctant to call this Luby Tuesdays. So I'm going to go ahead and embrace that. What do you think, people? 866-801-0940. But you'd have to put something special together, Luby, to make it a Luby Tuesday. Back with more in a moment. Now that. The time. And I don't know that intermittent Luby's laws are, are going to fly. It's uh, 6.55.
2: Tired. It's now time for the Defoe Show.
0: Should there be an asterisk placed on the Dolphins' 17-0 perfect season? There's a poll question for you, Libby. Because the Patriots won 18 games in a row. right? Wouldn't that eclipse uh, the 17-0? If they hadn't had to play that 19th game, they would have had the perfect season, no? Patriots, do they deserve the record?
2: Might have the most or their longest win streak, they don't have the a perfect season.
0: Most games won in a season without a loss. Maybe, they but they the don't have a perfect perceived? season. 17-0. I mean, That's what the Dolphins have sure.
2: that no one has to this day.
0: There's a popular opinion to express in town.
2: All right, coming back with more in a moment.
0: I'm Jeff Force. <laughs> the way
2: people state He's it. Like like, I didn't say it was a national thing when the Steelers lost. Oh, the Dolphins can pop their champagne corks or whatever.
0: They didn't, man. Zonka was smoking a cigar. It was awesome. Luby Tuesday continues in a moment. Now that.
2: The time.
0: It's 7.02.
1: plus.